Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. This is the Eagle Hour with Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. Hey, good Monday afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Santer, and Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. It's the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour, and we have lots to talk about. Incredible weekend for Southern Miss track and field. We're going to go over all of that a little later in the show. A big, big weekend for men's basketball as well as they crush Texas San Antonio 81-48. to And a great weekend for baseball, too, as the Golden Eagles uh, sweep. Uh, the Holy Cross series pick up a midweek win and seem to have themselves back on track. First segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, a proud supporter of USM and USM Athletics. You can enjoy their great selection of meats that are smoked in-house every day at their restaurant here in Hattiesburg and across the state. And we remind you, of course, that Dickey's caters any event, large or small, so the next time you have something special in your life or your business, we say just sit back, uh, enjoy the occasion, and let Dickey's do the cooking only appropriate that dickies would be the the sponsor of the first segment because they smoke everything they kind of like the eagles are doing right now in the baseball well, field. there you go smoking That's, people well, this is why we pay kelly sander the big buck <laughs> coach scott berry joins us and coach i'm sure you were as impressed with that segue from kelly as i was <laughs> <laughs> it sounds pretty good, the Dickies Barbecue. Yeah, well, it is pretty good, Coach. There's no question. I know. Well, look, congratulations. A good week. Uh, you, your guys win all four games. And I'm going to go ahead and say this now because I don't think you're going to say anything about it. Uh, when you won that second game Friday, that was your 350th victory, Coach. Yeah, sir. That's what they told me. So congratulations. So, uh, you know, nothing. Uh, well, well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. But, look, I'm – be the first one to tell you. You wouldn't. Um, I may have had a little small part of it, but there's been a lot of people that's had a big part of it. So I'm just uh, the benefactor of, of of a lot of hard work. So, but thank you. Well, that's well deserved, Coach. Okay, so uh, you get back on track uh, by winning all four games, and you know, Coach, one thing that has obviously jumped out at me, and I'm sure you and a lot of people uh, so far this year is uh, the Golden Eagles. Uh, Right now, if, if from a fan's perspective, if I was going to pick a strength of the team, I would say it's the bullpen, Coach. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, I would I would agree with you 100. percent I mean, they've certainly allowed us the, the opportunities to uh, to win some baseball games. You know, even in the five games that that we lost consecutively, their uh, pitching is what uh, you know held us. Together there, uh, Bob and gave us really an opportunity for an offense to to possibly win four of those five games. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one game at, at state we talked about last week on that Saturday. I mean, we just got beat. Uh, but you know, the other games we were there uh, uh, because our pitching staff held the opposition down, and uh, we just didn't get the hits that we needed. But you know, it continues to be our strength. We pointed it out at the beginning of the year. 
the things that we liked were certainly uh, of last year's team of a 550 innings. We were returning 380 of those innings, so we were returning a lot of experience, uh, which doesn't mean doesn't guarantee you success. But what it does is it, it it brings you experience that's been there and and had gone through that competition before, and hopefully with that, you know, you're going to get better. And I think that's what we're seeing right now, and a lot of these guys are continually getting better. And hitting, hitting's a funny thing. Uh, is is it not correct? You can you can have a lot of hits in a game, but if you're not getting hits when you really need them, when you have people on base, or when you have a couple guys on base and it's two outs, that can be a deceiving stat. But I but I thought there were signs of getting some hits, more hits when you needed them over this weekend. Well, certainly, uh, you know, the, the the one stat that everybody looks at, the most important stat, is that win-loss. And, uh, you know, for us to win the four games certainly is is, uh, is what we've set out to do. Now, within those four games, you know, you look at our work and there's still those question marks that we've got to get better at. You know, I think one thing that we did do is we played better defense in two of the four games, uh, obviously, two of those being uh, on Friday back-to-back games without an error. You know, well-pitched games with uh, with Walker and Stevie uh, starting those, both those games. But you go back to Tuesday's game against Southern University, I'm sorry, Wednesday, we had to move it because of weather. Uh, you know, we had a couple errors there. Uh, we left 14 guys on in that game. We won 8-3, to three, but with the 14 left on, certainly could have made it a lot easier on ourselves. For sure. And, and you know, it kind of continued on with a 10 on in the first game on Friday, 6 in the uh, second game on Friday, and then 11 on Saturday. So, you know, we're not – well, I'll tell you, I mean, the pitching is having to go out throw those zeros. And, uh, you know, I, and it is – I'm telling you, it is what it is. You know, we're just mm-hmm. – we're, we're creating opportunities for ourselves by getting people on. We're just not getting that hit. Uh, when we need it, whether it's a two-out RBI hit, uh, you know, which that I thought was crucial on Saturday's game when Timmy Lynch or Timmy Lynch, Danny Lynch comes in and it's left on left, we pinch hit for him or brought him in for defense. Well, then he ends up matching up against a, a lefty and he gets a two-out hit for us to extend that lead to three to one. That was huge in in that in that situation. So. Mm-hmm. We've got to continue to keep giving ourselves an opportunity, which we have, and then we've got to capitalize on that, have our guys step up in those situations. Coach Barry, how does the conversation go with your with your defenders when you know, obviously, that they're capable, as they proved this past weekend, but had, had two or three you know, bad games? Because coaching-wise, there isn't a whole lot you can do for guys to improve their defense. I mean, either they're, they're on it or they're not, yes? So how does that conversation yeah, no, go? no, that's right. You're right, Kelly. And, you know, uh, some of those some of those are injury-related. I mean, I've got some guys that are really playing through some things, and, and hats off to them. And, and uh, you know, those are things we don't talk about in, in the media or in the public. But, you know, a lot of, th- a lot of times, though, we're just we're, – I feel like they are physical mistakes that are, are, that are led to that by mental mental mistakes, you know, whatever it may be. So we've got to continue to take care of the baseball, uh, not not give the uh, opposition extra opportunities or extra outs. You know, just because you have an error doesn't mean it, it equates to an extra out uh, with that. It just, uh, if you can if you can make up for it. But we've got to quit, uh, you know, putting ourselves behind the eight ball there and running pitch counts up when we don't need to. All those things factor in 
uh, not to say uh, also the momentum that it gives the the opposition in that situation. Because as we look at most run producing innings, there is a, they are a result of a walk and error or hit by pitch. So errors do play into those big. And the guys that I have felt most sorry for, particularly this year, and it is the same for both teams the weather I'm talking about, is the starting pitchers. Those are the guys that I feel sorry for because mentally you get prepared to pitch at, you know, Friday at whatever time. Well, okay, well, now it's going to get moved. Okay, and, and, you know, maybe we're going to play at 10 o'clock. Maybe we're going to move it to tomorrow. And I think it's really underestimated, and it goes by the wayside when it shouldn't, mental preparation for starting pitchers and how difficult it is just to be able to turn it on and turn it off based on the weather. And, again, it's the same for both teams, but it still is problematic. It is right, you know, and I think that's one thing about the, the sport of baseball. It's full of adjustments, and, and most of them are mental adjustments that you have to make, whether it's during the game itself or if it's getting ready for a game, uh, you know, just like today, you know. I mean, we practice today, but we're practicing to get ready for a game. And uh, with this rain that has come in, it's going to uh, not allow us to get on our field, so we're going to have to adjust that and try to utilize pride field across and, and hit the cages. and So, you know, all those things are mental adjustments that, that come with, with our sport, uh, for sure. Coach, we uh, talked a little bit last week about the field and about rainy conditions and what have you, and I heard a lot of talk this week among fans and, and did have an opportunity myself to speak to uh, a, a person higher up in the athletic department and uh, – Everybody seems to be focused on trying to address this in the off season. Are you optimistic that maybe we'll see some changes there? Yeah, I think so. You know, we're moving forward uh, uh, further into the discussion, and uh, I'm just trying to gather all the information that I can that I feel like that that, that our program and where it is that you know what would best benefit us. Uh, of course, you know it'll be. Uh, be a lot of conversations between now and then, but certainly trying to get something in place to where we can uh, we can do some renovations to our field this summer, much needed, and and those that we that we need to. All right, before we talk about your upcoming opponents, two kids I wanted to get you to comment on. I thought uh, Montenegro had a great weekend, a beautiful home run, uh, you know, to, to start out the uh, to start out the last game. And I think Eric Horde uh, seems to really be stepping up and making a lot of contact with the baseball. Yeah, uh, you know, Gabe is just really uh, – he's just picked up where he left off last year. You know, he's been very consistent, and that's what I look for in, in uh, those guys that go out there on the field, the consistency to bring it every day out there. And, you know, I'm not looking at result-driven. There's a lot of times where an at-bat is uh, is not getting a base hit, and at-bat is – is, uh, you know, making a pitcher throw a lot of pitches, you know, having a, a tough out. Maybe it's uh, moving a runner over and not getting anything, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, for as far as you're at bat. You lose your at bat, but you sacrifice it for the team. So there's a lot of things that go into that. So mm-hmm. consistency is one that I think that Gabe has given us, certainly, again, at the top of the order there, leading us off. Uh, hold that thought, Coach. Hold that thought okay. if you can. We're right on the break. Uh, we're going to come okay. back, continue our conversation with head baseball coach Scott Berry. Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. That means we talk Golden Eagle baseball. Stay with us. Southern Miss 
to the top. Welcome back, everybody. Second segment sponsored, as always, by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. Great selection of Southern Miss apparel and household items, car accessories, you name it, they got it. Good-looking baseball T-shirts over there. It's the time of year for that. Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street, or you can shop online at CampusBookmart.net. Talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. Coach, sorry, break interrupted you, but you were kind of concluding your thoughts about all the things that Gabe Montenegro is doing at the plate for you. Yeah, you know, we we're just talking about his consistency and his carrying it over from last year into this year. Uh, it doesn't look like he's missed a beat. You know, I think the thing, too, that has shown up, he's, he's thrown out a couple of guys from the outfield, you know, mm-hmm. in big situations, too. So one was in a Gonzaga there in game two. Uh, they ended up beating us, but it was a pivotal point. It was a momentum swing or should have been for us at that time. So, uh, you know, I think he's, his game is really complete. You had mentioned Eric Horde. Right. Certainly Eric has been uh, kind of uh, put in there in that DH and trying to bust uh, between Slater and, and Walner up a little bit instead of going all four lefties right out the shoot, trying to trying to mix that up a little bit. But Eric's had some really good at bats for us. Uh, certainly, as a DH, uh, you know you're in there to hit, and that's a, you know that's what he needs to continue to do is is do that and knock in those runs. So, but the opportunities, I think he's had about 27 at bats, hitting 259. So. The opportunities, uh, he's uh, he's taking taking pretty good advantage of it. He's missed on some, uh, you know. I think on on Saturday there in that game, he left some runners on that, uh, you know. I, you know, he, he should have been a little more competitive, but he wasn't by himself. We had some other guys as well that mm-hmm. need to be more competitive too. You talk about opportunities, coach. And the Montenegro story is kind of cool, and the fact that he's he's obviously not a very big, you know, physically a very big guy, but obviously can play. And I think sometimes size gets overrated in the recruiting process and velo for pitchers. I personally think kind of is, is a little bit overrated. But but when you go to pull the trigger on a recruit that might not be physically very big, is it tougher to give that guy the offer when when maybe a lot of other coaches are saying, ah, too small, couldn't play in my, you know. What does that have to do with it? Well, you know, I think one thing, Kelly, is, is it certainly is the fit at the time. You know, you know your need in, in his particular case, we needed a left-handed hit and outfielder that, uh, you know, that could kind of set the table for us and get on a kind of a guy that really uh, was a really good college baseball player that we felt like, and, and Gabe was certainly that young man. Uh, he's from Guatemala, but he was going to school in, in the States, so in, down in Florida, they're outside of Tampa, so... You know, he was uh, he was a young man that we went and saw. Kai went and saw him, and uh, actually, Bill McGillis is the one that turned him on to us. Uh, from when Bill was at uh, South Florida as a as associate AD before he came here, he was good friends with that coach, and that coach kind of told him about this kid uh, after Bill got here. So we went and saw him, and, and really liked what we saw. But you're right. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, you can't get caught up in size or, or velo. It's it's about what you can do and how you can play with those, with 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 your body. And uh, you know, not not all the guys that are the most effective throw the hardest. But uh, you know, obviously, it, it kind of limits you for room for error too. You got to be able to do 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 well at what you do. All right, Coach. Uh, now this week it's what I call the Louisiana Tour: Louisiana Lafayette, and then Louisiana Tech. I've never seen Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana Tech that they weren't just tough and tenacious. I'm guessing that's what you're going to expect all week. I would imagine you're right. Yep. Uh, you know, it is going to be a tough week for us, and 
uh, you know, on the back end of it, it starts the conference season, which we call the second season of, of our schedule. So, but first we've got to move through the uh, Raging Cajuns in Lafayette on, on Wednesday. Uh, you know, a team, I think they're 6-9 and nine on the year, haven't played particularly well, have lost a lot of close games, but certainly a talented team that plays well at home in front of their own people. So we'll go there. Uh, we'll leave out tomorrow. Get in there tomorrow night, play them on Wednesday, and then uh, then move on up to La Tech, who I think is probably playing the best in our league. I know they just dropped two out of three from Arkansas, but easily could have won on Friday there. Uh, had a had a call that went against them late in the game on Friday that they ended up losing five to three. Uh, they won twelve to seven on Saturday, and then yesterday uh, didn't didn't fare too well, losing eleven to nothing, but. Certainly, Coach Burroughs has got those guys playing well. Uh, they've got all their team back from last year, so they return everybody from a team that was pretty good last year. So right, right now, they're playing as good as anybody in the, in, the, in our conference, uh, if not the best. So, Scott Barry, you know Lane, Lane Burroughs like the back of your hand. What's the bet this weekend between the two of y'all? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're like, honestly, we're like brothers. I mean, I coached Lane at, at Meridian, and we coached together here. Uh, for seven years under Coach Palmer, so we're very close. We talk every day, and uh, you know it'll it'll be a good it'll be a good challenge for both of us. Both teams will be in there competing, and certainly both coaches want their respective team to win. Uh, all right, Coach. You know we always appreciate your time. Congratulations on a good week. Glad to see the uh, kids bounce back and get on the right track. And best of luck to you all week. Oh, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, Coach Scott Berry, everybody, doing his Monday deal on the Eagle Hour, and uh, we are very, very grateful to him for that. You know, up in uh, in Ruston, the name of the ballpark, it's called Love Field. Love Shack. Yeah, but they it's call, awesome, it, yeah, they call awesome. it the Love Shack. All right, Kelly, I, w- I want to save some time in this segment because uh, I went to the I went to all the games, but I did obviously go to the basketball game Saturday afternoon, man. I'm going to tell you what, 81 to 48, when Doc Sadler's kids are hitting three-pointers, and they hit 16 three-point shots, 47 rebounds. They're a handful, brother. That don't just beat people at, at Reed Green. They've been murdering people. I mean, right. Marshall, they beat by like 50 points. UTSA, when the pod seedings came back out and UTSA figured out they were going to have to come back to Hattiesburg, was probably going, oh, great. <laughs> you know, we got whooped the first time by 40 points and then go back there again. Um you know now you said you you read a publication correct me yes that says kind of predicted USM to win the tournament yeah the odds the Las Vegas odds makers based on the way the bracket is set up in the conference tournament and and I don't you know all I don't know how they do what they do the the math guys out there but the the percentage I think they have Southern Miss listed as a thirty six percent the odds of Southern Miss winning winning the championship of Conference USA in the tournament, 36%. And that's the highest percentage of any team in the field. How about that? All right. They play at 9 o'clock Thursday night. Right now, it appears they're going to play the winner of North Texas and Rice. You like that for the Golden Eagles? North Texas scares me a little bit. You know, right now, if we were competing against Rice in an ACT test, right. Right. <laughs> we, we uh, might be in trouble. Everybody would be in trouble. <laughs> yes, right. you're right. Right, right. But you like their chances. The fact that they got a bye, too, is huge. Right. You know, right. because you're automatically on to the next round. So 
you know, you want to get to that 20-win mark and maybe get, uh, if it doesn't work out to where you win the conference tournament, that the NIT, the CBI, some of these other tournaments. I just, I hope for the sake of these guys, again, who have ridden out this storm. Yes. And Doc mentioned uh, Saturday at at Senior Day, that they get some type of reward as far as a postseason bid is concerned. And Doc handled things so well. You know, he started all five seniors, including a kid that doesn't really start much, but he started him and he... And he finished the game with all his seniors on the floor and brought them off one at a time. He just couldn't have handled the situation any better. And, Kelly, here was the shocking thing. They came out pregame to take senior pictures because it was senior day. Doc is in a suit and tie for the pictures. They go into the locker room. They come back out to play. Doc's got on the dress pants, the dress shoes. And that winning black Southern Miss T-shirt, and you know he's taken a beating from some folks on social media. Get over it. Over what he wears. Get over it. Um, and you know, remember Larry Eustace was not exactly a fashion no, plate. He no. wore the the kind of the turtleneck, you know, right. shirts or whatever. Right. So I don't know that your coaching ability should be predicated on how how smartly you, you, you dress. Remember Bob Huggins from Cincinnati, one of the best coaches in the country. Never wore, never wore a shirt and tie. Now Calipari and those, you know, Roy Williams and all those guys. But you know, when and they're wearing fifteen hundred dollar suits or four thousand yeah, dollar suits. Well, you know, I'm just glad it's not like baseball where the coaches wear the uniform. I love Doc, but I don't want to see him in a basketball. I'm uniform. sure he would agree with. I'm sure he would agree <laughs> with that as well. A scale of one to ten, your evaluation of the job Doc Sadler has done here. I don't know all the details of what exactly the hurdles were that he had to clear. I know they were pretty high. Um, I'd say, uh, gosh, uh, and conservatively, it'd have to be an eight this year, right. you know, if, if not higher. Right. And I, and if, if memory serves, this he's either in the last year of his contract or maybe has one more year after this. One more, I believe. Um, yeah, that's right. So you, you would think. Extension. You would think that this time of year that you would hear talk of that. Of an extension. Correct, Sadler. But but there has not been any talk of that. Now, how much does that have to do with no athletic director in a permanent situation being seated at Southern Miss? I don't know. know. Uh, Let's get the extension for Doc Sadler. If anybody's ever deserved one, this man deserves one. If you're basing it on what have you done for me lately? Right. No question about it. I'm going to tell you, you were here last week, too, when the track coaches were here, Kelly. They've done a phenomenal job. We're going to talk to a former track uh, uh, athlete in the next segment and obviously going to review uh, the NCAA championships. But my friend, when you come back from the national indoor track meet and you got four kids in the top ten of their fields, you got to feel pretty daggum good about the program. It sets the bar a little bit higher. Track and field is next. And, man, there's some glorious news to tell you about in that regard when the Eagle Hour continues. Eagle Hour, the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. 
Welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, wherever you're listening. We always appreciate you turning in. And remember, you can hear the show, uh, the podcast version of the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And the show is always available on demand at Southern Miss, no, I'm sorry, at uh, supertalk.fm, supertalk.fm. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Obviously located on 4th Street, uh, a great place to hang out before and after the game. A great place to have lunch. Nine bucks, Kelly, under nine bucks. That's lunch, drink, tax, you eat, you're out the door. Chicken and dumplings today, and of course they're getting ready for St. Patrick's Day later on in the week, so corned beef and cabbage and all the Irish fare right. a little bit later. And a great assortment of sandwiches and uh, other sorts of food, so we encourage you to uh, uh, do some business with the Southern Miss supporters at uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, what a what an incredible weekend for the Southern Miss uh, track team at the NCAA Indoor Nationals. Caleb Parker finishes seventh nationally in the 60-meter hurdles, sets a school record, and finishes first-team All-American. Eric Richardson, ninth nationally in the high jump, 7 feet, 2.5 inches, second-team All-American. John Warren, nationally, finishing sixth in the triple jump, in excess of 53 feet, first team All-America. McKinley West finishes seventh in the 200 meters, 21.12. First team All-America. Kelly, four top ten finishes in the NCAA Nationals. What do you say about John Stewart and his and his kids? They were here on the show last week, and we learned so much about track and field that we, you know, that we didn't know just as as casual fans. But for them to go over there again, this isn't the Conference USA tournament, it's the t- national tournament, right? So I mean, you're you're playing, you're running against you know Oregon and Baylor and all, and all the big boys, and all four of your qualifiers finish in the top ten. Just incredible. Our next guest, uh, I'm sure, is swelled up with pride. Cortland Wells is a former track star for Southern Miss out of Tuscaloosa. He was a high jumper, ran the 200 meters, 60 meters, and some other events. Cortland, when you when you hear this kind of news from a track program that you're a part of, got to make you feel awfully good. Oh man, it, it's it's incredible. Honestly, uh, the since. Uh, Coach Stewart and Coach Ellis came in, that entire new coaching program, uh, they really killed it. Uh, I've seen this this team progress tremendously since I finished competing, honestly. Um, but to, to hear that we have four national All-Americans, you know, it's, it's incredible because I think when I was there, we only had two or three uh, throughout my entire uh, stand as an mm-hmm. athlete there. So. Cortland, put in perspective for our listeners how difficult it is to finish in the top ten of a national NCAA championship meet in in your uh, you know in, in in your field, whatever event it is you're running as an athlete or participating in an athlete. How difficult is it to achieve what these four young men did? Oh, it's it's almost hard to even put it into words. It's you, but the thing is you. You know you've worked, and you know you already have what it takes to do it. It's just to produce on that day, and that's always the huge thing because the, the guy that see it first could misstep, and then he loses, you know, and then you're right there behind him, and you just had a great day, and boom, you push past him, you know. But it's 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 a lot of pressure. Uh, I, I never was uh, All-American, but I did go to the qualifier and finish uh, ninth, I think, uh, so that knocked me right out 
Um, but to produce on that day, it's a, it's a lot of pressure. You, it really gets to you. So for them to be able to control that and produce, is, it's amazing. Yeah, it's an interesting point that he makes because, like, if you're going to win the World Series, you do it over a seven-game stretch. Right. You know, NBA championship, best of seven. Well, th- you got one shot. This isn't a best of three race, okay? This is, or whatever it might be. You've got, you know, one, one opportunity to get it done. So there cannot be any, any missteps at all. So that does complicate, you know, pressure-wise. Now, how do you get from Tuscaloosa? Because I hear there's another school in Tuscaloosa, um, Stillman College. <laughs> uh, so, how, so how do you get from Tuscaloosa to Hattiesburg? It's true, Stillman you know, is, in, is, is in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah, Stillman. I grew up down the street from Stillman. I actually, okay. actually walked to their uh, campus in about three minutes. Cool. Uh, but, well, from Tuscaloosa to here, oh, to Hattiesburg, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I was competed since eighth grade, and uh, it's my senior season. And so one of the benchmarks in high jump, at least, was seven foot. Like, you have to get seven foot. That's when all the big schools are going to start calling for you. Uh, so I had a, a whatever season my senior year. I jumped about six, eight consistently over the course of that year. And I think it was actually my prom day. <laughs> we had a track meet and uh, just had an incredible day and ended up jumping seven and uh I look back and my coach is on the phone. He's calling uh, Coach Steven. He was the coach uh, in two, 2011. Yeah, that's when I came in. He called Coach Steven. He's like, hey, Coylan, just jump seven. You better off him. They're going to start coming for him now. So he, he immediately called me the next day and uh, offered me right there. And I just loved – when I came down to visit, I loved, fell in love with Hattiesburg. I still fell in love with Hattiesburg. But it was also – Far enough away from Tuscaloosa, but close enough if I wanted to just jump back, you know. Mm-hmm. So, just went all in on it. I was, absolutely don't regret anything. It, it is so cool to hear people say they want to get away from Tuscaloosa. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Well, see, you grew up with Bama fans for 18 years. You kind of <laughs> you need to get out of that. What fans? fans? Yeah. Yeah, I understand that, Cortland. My daughter and son-in-law live in uh, Birmingham, and when I go to visit them for a couple of days uh, – I sometimes think if I see another Alabama T-shirt or I hear somebody else say Roll Tide, I'm going to jump in front of a moving car. Well, that's why, that's why I mentioned Stillman. It's time yeah. Stillman get a little bit of love. Uh, you said you yeah. jumped 6'8 uh, consistently, but when you go to 7 feet, people start calling. How tough are those last few inches? Oh, it's, <laughs> they're pretty tough. It, you, like you look at an inch and you're like, oh, that's not too much. But no, it really – it really makes it difficult um, to gain those couple of inches because, you know, I could hit 6'8 religiously, uh, no problem. But take that bar up two inches, it kind of gets hairy, you know, because it, it, your entire approach changes because mm-hmm. uh, you, have to, you have to take off further back to give yourself time to go up and then over. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I would, like, shorter bars, 6'4 through 6'8, I would have a certain approach and then, when I move up uh, above seven, I would take steps back so I, to give myself that space to, to allow uh, the rotation and everything to happen. So, Cortland, you're probably pretty tall and have long legs, J- yes? Yeah. yeah. I'm 6'5", uh, six, six, and about four of them is uh, four of those feet are legs. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you just don't yeah. see the, the short, right, you know, right. high jumpers. So an average, an average guy could high jump 
How high, Cortland? Three feet? Four feet? I mean, they're not even going to get in the stratosphere with guys like you. But uh, how much higher did guys go like you than, than an average Joe could have done that? Oh, man. So are you asking like the... Now, not somebody like me and Kelly because we couldn't get off the ground. But I'm saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, your average athlete, let's say a basketball player, a good basketball or football player, are they going to be able to come out there and get anywhere close to 6'8"? I, I doubt it. There's, there's a lot of technique that goes into it. So it's not just a I'm going to run towards this bar and jump. There's, it's planning of the steps and takeoff and how you hold your body when you when you hit your block to go up. Mm-hmm. It's I don't think anybody, any other athlete that hasn't been trained in high jump, they, I'd give them six foot at the most, but that's really pushing it. You know, Bob, when, when we were younger, the the high jumpers would go over hands first, and I think it was Fosbury, what was it, Rick Fosbury? Yep. Dick Fosbury. Dick Fosbury was the first guy to actually go over the bar back, you know, with the back, going over backwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, obviously, he was a trendsetter at the time, and I would guess now, Cortland, all high jumpers are doing it the Fosbury way, Yes. Yeah, uh, completely correct. Uh, we still um, we'll use like the scissor kick in training, um, but as for actual competition, you won't find anybody that's not flopping. Caleb, what are you doing? I'm sorry, Cortland. What are you doing now? Oh, I'm a photojournalist at uh, the Vicksburg Post, a newspaper in Vicksburg, Mississippi. Oh, that's right. Because when I was doing some research earlier today, I saw several things uh, on Google that credited you with the photography. So mm-hmm. you're a photojournalist. I am. When did you were you were you doing that when you were running track at Southern Miss, or is that where you discovered that uh, that field that you wanted to go into? Yeah, so it all came about uh, at Southern Miss. Um, people always ask me how I got into photography, and I always say it like this: My mom. Uh, so we she we're from Tuscaloosa, so we used to go to Birmingham to Crossflex where they had the uh, national meet, right? Mm-hmm. All the time, so it'd be like back to back weekends and. My mom would come take pictures, and like she wouldn't send them to me as fast as I wanted to. Uh, so she came through one meet, and we were coming back. I was like, "Hey, let me just take your camera. I'll get all my pictures, and I'll bring it back to you next week." And during that week, I just played with the camera, and I fell in love with it. Right. And, um, I actually started doing a lot of the the media for uh, the team. So a lot of the pictures that you see from 2011 to well, 2012 to about 2016 was all my work. Because, yeah. you know, they, they didn't really send photographers out for our meets. Everybody wanted pictures. and Right. So I was doing that, and that kind of pushed me towards it, yeah. All right, Cortland, we appreciate it, man. Good conversation, and, uh, and thanks so much for coming on the Eagle Hour. Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. All right, Cortland Wells, everybody, former track star and now photographer from the University of Southern Mississippi. Kelly and I will be right back. To the, top. to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. This segment sponsored by our lovely friends at Carter's Jewelry on Evelyn Andy Boulevard in Petal, home of the SMTTT Jewelry and all sorts of great jewelry. I want to congratulate Brittany Salters, the marketing director for Carter's Jewelry. She got married this weekend. And uh, so to Shay Carter and Brittany and all their staff, we thank them very much uh, for their support of the Eagle Hour. So, again, Incredible weekend in track, and Kelly, you and I were talking uh, off air. It's been fun talking to some of these track kids the last couple of weeks, and they're they're reveling in the fact that my gosh, people know we exist, right? You know, and and of course, it's terrible from a fan standpoint that the only time you talk about teams is if is if they win. Right. You know, but that, but I think they, as athletes and competitors, they kind of understand that goes with the territory. Right. So they're they're excited to be able to to get a little notoriety. Speaking of winning, softball over the weekend defeated North Texas thirteen to nine and two to one. So we're off to a pretty good season. Uh, as coach uh, is coach and her softball team uh, take a quick look down conference USA baseball over the weekend uh, I thought some pretty interesting matchups this weekend Kelly Old Dominion uh, played Kansas State beat Kansas State two out of three UAB played Ole Miss lost all three games lost a two to one game yesterday afternoon Ole Miss handled uh, UAB pretty well all weekend Middle Tennessee lost three to Kentucky uh, Florida Atlantic appears to be pretty good again. They uh, swept Northeastern three games to none. Florida International swept Seton Hall three games to none. Louisiana Tech, uh, as Coach Barry said earlier, lost two out of three to Arkansas, but they beat the Razorbacks Saturday and played them very, very close Friday night. Texas San Antonio uh, lost two to Auburn. Third game was rained out. Rice one and two against Oklahoma after a week where they beat Baylor, which is a, a top fifteen program. They lose two out of three to the Sooners. Uh, Western Kentucky lost two to Memphis. Marshall swept Eastern Michigan three games to none, and of course USM beat Holy Cross three games to none. So uh, league wide, uh, sixteen wins against thirteen losses uh, over the weekend. Uh, Louisiana Tech Kelly loses two out of three to Arkansas, but two games, one game very close. Louisiana Tech won rather impressively Saturday. They're going to be a tough. Uh, they're going to be a tough out for the Golden Eagles. I think if the schedule makers could do it all over again, they would have made this Southern Miss La Tech series at the back end of the schedule. Should be because yeah. I think that when the smoke clears and all these games are played, that that the Bulldogs and the Eagles are going to be back, you know right up there for first place. Right. I think so. So this this series this weekend. Weather permitting, because I know you find it hard to believe, but the weather forecast, again, doesn't look real great. Uh, and the further north you get, the worse it is. And, of course, Ruston is, is north of here. So, um, but that's going to be that's going to be a telltale sign for both of those schools as to where they're stacking up early on. A unique series too, because the coaches all know each other so well. And when you look at that La Tech roster. A lot of Mississippi kids. There are right here from our own, you know, our own backyard, right. and that makes perfect sense because Lane Burroughs, who was at Southern Miss, then was over at Northwestern State. He he knows how good the baseball talent is at the high school level in this area, and that's one of the reasons that uh, that he developed that Northwestern State program to where it was that helped him get the La Tech job. And obviously, Scott Barry and them can't have everybody. You know, they can't right. sign everybody. So, um, and knowing that. Um, he came came and got Coach Burroughs, got some other guys from our area. So a lot of Mississippi blood there. Lane Burroughs uh, likes Scott Berry, a, a really high-caliber coach, isn't he? Pretty intense. Yeah. You know, uh, Lane Burroughs is a pretty – pretty in, can, can be an up-in-your-face kind of guy, mm-hmm. which it's interesting because we, we make fun of baseball players now that they're kind of soft. 
But when you talk to some guys at the collegiate level, they tend to like those older school guys that will get up in your face and hold you accountable. Right. Uh, you were at baseball all weekend. You had an interesting comment about travel ball. Yeah, I, w- I was at the perfect game event in uh, in Birmingham this weekend where, where well, Hoover, Alabama to be specific, where the Summerall Bobcats were invited to play in a, in a four-game series. It's just, man, the travel ball thing is just – it's so way out there, and it, it just seems that all the kids now are so self-absorbed. Um, social media has had a lot to do with that. You know, hey, look at what I did. But, but the bottom line is it always goes back to the parents. You know, when you're telling these kids from the time they're four years old how great they are, and when they, they're playing on a travel team where there's only ten guys, so you're not going to get pulled anyway because there aren't any extra players, you know, to be used. But, but Bobby Halford has said this at William Carey. It, it really hurts these guys when they get to the collegiate level and have to compete for positions because they've never had to right. up to that point. Right. You know? uh, another sign, too, is how every, every mother has, my son is number 17, big stars on the back window. And the uh, uniforms they're have, wearing, Bob, the uniforms they're wearing are more expensive than the ones that they get in high school. Yeah. So it's almost playing high school ball is almost a step down. You're not a big fan, are you? I, but, but I was just as guilty as anybody else. Right. I will say that. I'm not now. But I can I, now that I've been out of it, I can see where it can really be problematic. And there is no I in team, but there is an M-E. Right. There so. you go. All right, basketball Thursday night at 9 o'clock is when the game is scheduled. You can watch it on Facebook. We'll get more details. That sounds crazy, but that's a pretty good way to watch sports, actually. And once they win that game, then it goes to the CBS Sports Network. You know, on DirecTV and all the cable outlets will have that, so you'll get a a big time. uh, So another huge weekend of sports coming up here with Southern Miss at Louisiana Tech and Southern Miss uh, in the Conference USA. And I'm hoping the Vegas guys get paid big money to get it right. And again, they've got Southern Miss as the favorite to win the Conference USA tournament. Extension for Doc Sadler. That's the last word of the day. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss to the top. On slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.